0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. During these six uh, weeks uh, in Lent, these midweek services on Wednesdays, we're going to be hearing uh, from a number of of people, most of them New Testament characters, who uh, would all gladly say of Jesus, he touched me. That's our theme for these uh, midweek services, the sermons anyway he touched me. I don't know what you think about that theme. I know in uh, in the context of our modern world that uh, might sound a little off, but I happen to like it. That's why I chose it. Because I think it puts our focus right where it needs to be. Those three words hopefully will stay with us, not only um, tonight, but uh, Uh, Throughout this Lenten season, and maybe even beyond that, as we consider what it means that He, Jesus, touches us. The focus is on Jesus. That's where it should be. That's where it needs to be. And unfortunately, that's not always where it is in our lives. Sometimes that's the case within the walls of the church. We get distracted and our focus, our minds wander. Certainly that can often be the case outside the walls of the church in our everyday lives as our focus is, is anywhere but on Jesus. Let's bring it back. At least for these six weeks. Put our focus on Jesus. and Remind ourselves that, that He touches People, touch is a good thing it's a necessary thing it's a wonderful thing when Jesus touches us he moves us and he changes us how great it is to say of Jesus he touched me as I said, during the next, starting next Wednesday, we'll be hearing from a, a New Testament character, a different one each week, who, who tells us about his experience with Jesus and how Jesus touched him. And Tonight, we're going to hear from somebody else who can gladly say, he touched me. And that somebody else is me. And I'm praying if you were standing up here, and I know it's the case, you would be able to say the same thing. With joy, he touched me. On this Ash Wednesday, we are going to think especially of how Jesus touches us, touches our hearts with, with repentance and faith. So our theme for this sermon is speaking about us, truly penitent and really forgiven. Is that first part? always describe you truly penitent? I'm going to guess not because I know it doesn't always describe me. There's various reasons for that. There's there's two extremes that I'm going to mention tonight that, that we want to be aware of because we can find ourselves in either, sometimes both of those extremes. Sometimes we're not really penitent. We don't actually feel real guilt. This is on your, uh, your sermon outline, by the way. We don't feel real guilt. The second one is that we don't feel relief from guilt. You see, those are two opposites, and, and sometimes maybe we're on, on one of those extremes and, and other times the other. Why might it be that we don't feel real guilt always well for one thing it's because it's not a pleasant feeling and we'd love to find a way to avoid it or to ignore it or to excuse it and so maybe we'll say or think something like well I'm a sinner sin is what sinners do no big deal except God would say otherwise or maybe we would think or, or say, yeah, anyway, that you know what, the Bible calls sin isn't really sin anymore. Except, you know, we can, we can only fool ourselves for so long, and then the hard truth comes crashing down on us, and the, and the guilt feelings come flooding in. And sometimes then we don't feel relief from guilt. There are several reasons for that as well. One of them is we know we don't deserve to be forgiven and, and so sometimes it's really just hard to imagine that God would do that for me. And maybe sometimes since we know that the punishment that we have, de- that we have deserved punishment for our sin maybe we think we'll punish ourselves by wallowing in that guilt. But, but none of that is what Being truly penitent is all about. The Lord speaks to us through the prophet Joel, and and he gives us two words that help us to understand what, what it means to be truly penitent. The first is rend, R E N D. The second is return. The Lord says through Joel, Rend your hearts. You know what it means to rend, don't you? It means to tear it in half. No wonder it's so hard to be truly penitent. It hurts. When we think about what it means that we have rent God's heart, that that we have torn His heart in half with our sin, sometimes that at least, can cause us to rend our hearts. I, I remember one time when I broke my mom's heart. Now, I was a pretty good kid. I really was. And, you know, middle kid, pretty compliant. I, I listened. I, I didn't talk back. At least, I don't remember ever doing that. I, I was pretty obedient. But there was one time, and I, I don't remember anything about it, except my mom was so upset with me that she cursed at me. And she never used foul language. But I had done something. I've, I just don't remember what it was. But whatever it was, it broke her heart. And because of that, I can remember my own heart breaking. Didn't want to disappoint her, didn't want to let her down, and, and yet I had. And that's the way it can be with us rending our hearts. As we understand what it means that God's heart is broken by our sin. In your sermon outline, it it says something about uh, uh, both reflecting and affecting. And what I mean by that is what we do reflects who we are in Jesus. We are children of God, loved by Jesus. and, And we reflect that fact when we rend our hearts because we are sorry for hurting him. But what we do also affects. Who we are in Jesus. When we don't rend our hearts. When we have no, no brokenness over our sin. That can have a devastating effect on our faith. As, as our hearts now can begin to harden. Rather than to soften. And it's not then that Jesus loves us less because, because we haven't repented. No, not that at all. It's not that Jesus loves us less. It's, it's that we, his love means less to us. Which is why Joel tells us to rend our hearts. That's, that's one word for repent. Another word is return. He says that a couple times. Return to me with all your heart. Return to the Lord your God. To sin is to walk away from God. To repent is to return to him. To stop sinning, to stop listening to our own desires, to stop trusting ourselves, and to get back to trusting God, asking him for forgiveness. Here again, what we do reflects who we are in Jesus. When we know his love, we return to him in true repentance because we know that he will receive us and welcome us back. And again, what we do also affects who we are in Jesus. When we return to him, our our hearts are softened by that action and our faith is strengthened by his deep love shown to us every time. The, The kind of love that That Joel describes when he says of God he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that he relents over disaster. All of that is talking about being forgiven, really forgiven. St. Paul puts maybe just a a little different perspective on that for us in the epistle lesson today. He gives us another word for, for being forgiven and that is to be reconciled. To be to be brought back. To be at peace with God. And just think about what that means. You know, in a sense, it's God coming to us, unilaterally disarming himself, and, and saying, I, I'm not going to fight you anymore. We're not going to be at war. I am at peace with you. And then you remember what, what Paul's appeal was in the epistle lesson when he says, God's reconciled to you, and then he says, you be reconciled to God know that peace which, which no one can really know except through faith as we return to God and are reconciled to him knowing that we are really forgiven the way that the young man in, in the gospel reading tonight was I always wonder when I read that or, or when I hear that read what did that man think When what Jesus said to him was, son, your sins are forgiven. I kind of hear him saying, and this isn't recorded in the Bible, I don't know what he said, but I kind of hear him saying, "Well, well, thanks, but you know, I really came for you to heal me. And yet Jesus did what was most important. When he said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And then to show that they were really forgiven and that Jesus had the authority to forgive them, then he did the easy thing take up your, your mat and, and, and go home. That was easy for Jesus to do. In order to forgive his sins and ours, Jesus knew that it was going to be hard, that, that he would have to die. But because he did die and rose again, what do we know? We are really forgiven. Because we know that, we can be truly penitent and then remember that we are really forgiven and if that doesn't touch us I don't know what will I'm not going to say amen yet that's the end of that part of the sermon but now we're going to put into practice the theory that uh, that I just preached about for 13 minutes I'm going to ask you to turn to page 151 in the hymnal, and some of you are going to be tempted not to do that. Well, we know that we say the confession of sins all the time, but I'm going to warn you at the morning service and at the 5 o'clock service, people got caught each time, and I wasn't trying to do that, so I'm warning you. Um, we're We're going to read together the confession of sins that we use so often Maybe too often in a sense because we don't think about it. So we want to think about it a little bit tonight. Which means, and here's where people got caught. And it happened at various places with various people. So if it happens to you, don't feel bad. You're in good company. But we're going to stop after each period, after each sentence. And sometimes I'll have a word or two to say. And then I'll let you know when we're going to start again. So one sentence at a time. And I don't want you worrying about, oh, I'm going to, am I going to mess up? I want you... Remember, we're talking about being truly penitent. And see how these words express what's in our hearts. The first sentence we'll read together, please. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We're sinners. But that's not an excuse to sin. This is an acknowledgement of how deep The problem is, we continue. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Maybe you can think of a few examples of each of those things, what we have done and what we have left undone in your own life. Together, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus summed up all the commandments, saying love for God and love for neighbor, and, and we just confessed we haven't always done either. And we understand what that ought to mean for us, and so together again, we justly deserve your present and eternal punishment God's eternal punishment is too horrible for us to consider or to fathom, and and so we ask for mercy, and we do that now. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. And here's some ways that mercy will be shown. We continue Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will. And walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Truly penitent. And really forgiven. Listen again to these words of forgiveness of absolution. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, and only by his authority, but by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds In Christ Jesus, amen.